This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shit shot next Saturday evening that we put them back in their houses for 10 years. Okay, so we have to start off the show, Conan and Matty, with congratulating UCC for winning the Sigerson Cup last night. I hate doing it because I went to college in Tralee and they were big at rivals. A cocky shower of go on the college. You know, these type of cocky, yeah. big universities. UCC, I throw into that mix. UCD, I throw into that mix. But look, they're Sigerson champions and we have to take our hats off to them because Billy Morgan is their manager and Billy Morgan is in the Mick O'Dwyer type of legendary status. So seeing the footage of Billy Morgan hugging all his players and the way they embraced him and patted him on the head. You know what I mean? He was like he's one of the boys at his age which is absolutely unbelievable going Yeah I think um, if you spoke to Billy Morgan I've only done it very briefly on occasion I think about 18 months ago we were in New York at the um, Open of Rockland's GA Club and he was there as kind of a guest manager but you know within five minutes being in his company this fella just lives, eats and drinks football he absolutely loves it he's so passionate about it and even the interview last night after the game you could really see that like you can see it in his eyes how much he really loves this and as you say lads young lads 20 years of age jumping up and down him as if he's one of the guys I think yeah, like that, that's all it needs it's to be it's unbelievable isn't it because these are college fellas 20 years of age hugging yeah. him like he's their friend yeah. like I mean that's an incredible quality that it's his fifth Sigerson. Um he won two as a player um, and he's had them in the last 10 years he's had them in six finals and they've won three of them um, he said he said, in my own playing career, I won two Sigersons and I ranked my Sigerson medals up there with my All-Ireland medal and my county championships. 
that's big praise for Sigerson. And I keep saying this: you yeah. have to have played Sigerson, I think, to appreciate it. And people who haven't are like, ah, it's just a college competition, and they don't care. But outside of obviously All Ireland, Club All Ireland, Sigerson's up there with National League, I think. I'd say it's probably ahead of it, right? For a player, I, I don't know. Like you've played in in both, will you, you as well, Manny? Right? Like I, I think when you go to a game, even as a supporter, and you see the magic of it straight away, and you see how much it matters, and you do have this weird, um, not weird, but you have this attachment to your college afterwards. You know, so you, you do start supporting them. And I remember when the result was coming through from the semi final St Mary's game. I think Benny Heron play, used to play for Derry, and he was in Dubai, and he's tweeting away like, you know, what's what's the latest and stuff. And yeah. you know, we just have that connection with your old college. Like and UCC's competition was perfect. It was just like we were all talking about UCD and NUIG, and it was like that was like the competition that we thought was happening. And then UCC were just hammering everybody in the background and coasted to victory. Flew under the radar, yeah. With Sean O'Shea, absolutely, absolutely cleaning up. Like I mean, it is. Maybe I'm the eternal optimist. I'm a negative person in life normally, but when it comes to GEA, I think Sigerson's could become such. A bigger and Billy mm-hmm. Morgan uh, alluded to this as well. Said it's not given the the you know the prestige that it deserves. It's going on during the national league. The club competitions could be so much bigger if they all get a part of the season which is theirs and get the focus that they deserve. Like I mean, you watched this last night, Matty, on YouTube. Yeah, I, I, really, you know I, mean? I really enjoyed it. And like you were saying, I think it's a fantastic competition. You know, I had a, a brief spell with with WIT a long time ago. You know, with I think Declan Brown, Andy Sheehy, Leo Bryan, a few players like that were playing, but. I think just looking at it, it's really it's a really really good competition along with the with the Fitzgibbon and obviously UCC are in the final of that as well and, and could do a double. Um, but it, you know, how did you go with those few names you've thrown out there? That must have been the year after I left. That was probably nineteen ninety seven, was it? Ninety eight. It was ninety eight, ninety nine, somewhere along there. Were you there as well? I was. <laughs> yes. How many colleges was it you were playing for? Five. Five. Oh, I didn't play for them all. That's what I went. That's what I went to. But we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> you that was more college than Jimmy Kim's. <laughs> um, no, look, I think it's a fantastic competition. It's just trying to find the right area in the in the calendar for it because the likes of Sean O'Shea, you know, is playing probably twice a week for the last four or five weeks. Like he's twenty years of old, twenty years of age, and probably well able to do it. But you know, it has to come against him at some stage. You know, maybe for Kerry this weekend in the in the Galway game or something like that. These are all tough games, um, but it's a fantastic competition that has to be a gap for it somewhere in, yeah. the, in the calendar. Do, well, the big thing here is if Sean O'Shea starts this weekend and I think he shouldn't I think it's completely unfair I think he's played he's played three Sigerson and three league games in the last three or four weeks like I mean it's outrageous and now he's just won a Sigerson and if Peter Keane doesn't say enjoy that celebrate that Wednesday night don't you worry about coming with us even on the bus I want you to take it easy this weekend and we'll see you back at training next Tuesday night he has to say this to him like I mean or else mm. you're just flogging him like I mean Kerry are comfortable in the league he's had a great start Give him that. I'll be really pissed off if I see Sean O'Shea on the team. Genuinely. Well, I suppose it's, it's what's Kerry's ambition in the National League is it to be comfortable enough, stay in the division, probably get to a semi-final or final, or are, you know, are they happy enough now with being a Division 1 team again next year? I would absolutely agree with what you're saying, that he probably should have a break. You know, Willie, I think, is a different a different kettle of fish. You could see him maybe in the squad, um, you know, and if not needed, uh, you know, fair play, but... Um, you know, if I was Peter Keane, I wouldn't mind having him sitting behind yeah. me all. Just but I would, I, but sure, because Clifford tweaked his hamstring last year in the league because yeah. he was overdoing it. Like, I mean, the, the, think about the risk that would be on on playing him on Sunday versus the you know just leaving him the risk of leaving him on the bench or leaving him off the team completely. There's not much like the the ruling out a potential injury is it is so much. 
um, smarter than you know just having him for a league game that we know isn't the be all mm. and end all like I mean we don't want him to get injured anyways I want to talk about Mayo Dublin lads and this and this Mayo Dublin rivalry so you think of the last 10 years what's the big rivalry in Gaelic football obviously Dublin have are dom- have dominated the what do you call not the noughties what, what do you call this decade the 2010s the teens the 10s the 2010s right well anyways the 2010s so this is an interesting stat like I mean I think we've referenced this before so Maddie, we want to get your thoughts on this so Dublin have played Mayo 13 times under Jim Gavin so we know Jim Gavin took over in 2013 so 13 times Mayo haven't won once Mayo are seen as this huge rivals of Dublin yet they cannot beat Dublin so how is this a rivalry um, I suppose if you totted up maybe the average uh, difference in scores it's not a whole lot over the 13 games you know, with the 13 nil though with, with, with the that's a whitewash that's <laughs> with, not a rivalry with, with, well look at they're getting as close to him as anybody else is and you know we've there's loads of stuff going to be mentioned but like the, the two goals the two own goals the the, uh, the sending off of, of um in the in this in the semi or in the final, sorry of of Tony uh, Vaughan, Donny Vaughan like stuff like that. You know what more do they have to do? Um, well, that's it. No, it so it's, sorry, it's, it's, it's possibly going to be fourteen nil after the weekend. Yeah, by the no, way. I was I, wrong. It's not thirteen nil. It's ten nil on ten defeats, three draws, and zero victories. So it's still, ten, still it's zero, it's zero still victories. Zero victories. Yeah. And look, I, I genuinely think there have there has been the biggest rivalry of the last eight ten years in Gaelic football, purely because there's not many other teams getting like Dublin have have hammered most have ha- hammered all comers. Baron Mayo. Yeah, um, no, and they have, and they've, they've hammered Kerry once or twice, but Kerry have beaten them in the National League final. Mayo have mm. never beaten them in, the, in any game. Kerry have also beaten them in the, in the National League, you know, not the, not the league final, and they've beaten them this year. Eamon Fitzmaurice in 2013 lost by a terrible decision with Kevin McManaman. The hit on Peter Crowley was a free, and that was one of the game of the ages where Kerry almost beat Dublin, and then they almost beat them. Uh, in 2016 when Cluxon had that meltdown at half time and Dublin ended up beating them in the second half so arguably on paper Fitzmaurice has a better record against Dublin than Mayo it's because Mayo have drawn with them in all Ireland finals it's seen as that rivalry but Mayo can't get over the line against him Kerry did yeah. and Kerry you, when you wouldn't think of Kerry Dublin being in any way of a rivalry and it is it's interesting when you said this earlier about uh, the, the stat about Mayo not coming close to them I thought ah well Jim Gavin's hardly lost to anybody but then I looked at it and he's lost 10 games like which isn't a lot over 7 seasons but he still has lost 10 times to 6 different teams and you would have thought that Mayo would be in there somewhere but I do think they're probably just a victim of like when you're the best of the rest you're never underestimated so every time Dublin play Mayo they're at it like and they want to beat them and if you sort of look at that Monaghan game last year at the end of the league when Monaghan beat them in Crook Park and then a week later Dublin won the league anyway I think if Mayo were playing that game, Dublin would be there to win it, and they would never. I have, think that. Yeah. You know, so I think Dublin, do, like even if it's a league game, Dublin are are not trying to give Mayo any hope. Yeah, and it's like is it Spurs used to have that awful record against the top four and the old top four in the Premier League, but it was because they were always better than everybody. So when they played Spurs, they never took them for granted. Yeah, do you know it's sort of, sort of like that. But I still thought they might have had one win at least because they're so good. Mayo themselves. So th- this is you've alluded to this, Maddie. This is the hard luck story Mayo have had against Dublin since uh, the tragedy they've had since pretty much they beat them under Pat Gilroy in 2012 so then uh, they played each other in, in the final in 2013 and like I mean Dublin were down to 13 players like Rory O'Carroll was walking around after doing his hamstring and somebody else had done it as well and like I mean Mayo couldn't 
get over the line against him and it was such a brilliant start by Mayo in that game I remember and then Bernard Blogan gets the flick goal and you know all that brilliant work is outdone and then like I mean something similar in the 2016 or is it the 2000 yeah the 2016 final where again they were a much better team in the first half and they give Dublin two own goals and that's not even to talk about the 2015 semi-final where like I mean Connolly gets his suspension um lifted by the DRA so he gets to play and Lee Keegan they're four points up Lee Keegan on the 21 yard line in front of the goals to put them five up on a roll puts it in the goalie's hands Dublin come down and score two goals in a winning position there as well then you have the 2017 final where Donny Vaughan like you said Maddie, gets sent off when they're obviously in a winning position as well and that's not even mentioned in the 2016 final I'm jumping all over the place here as well where Rochford obviously replaced uh, Clark with Henley who gave away that penalty it's just been one like a how could, is the curse real <laughs> reading out that again in, in one line from, from 13 to, to 18 you'd have to start thinking is there something that you really would in fairness um, like the two own goals you know, I'd say if you look back at the history of the GA there's never been two own goals scored in a half in that Ireland final no. that a team oh no a I'd say you'd be doing well to find any final um, any game any game <laughs> more than likely but you'd have to start thinking is there something but there's definitely something in what you were speaking about a couple of minutes ago that you know, even in league games Dublin want to beat him but were some of these bigger games you know the likes of a Super 8 game or something to be played in Castle Bar as opposed to Croke Park yes. where all the where all the big games have been played yeah. um, you know look at a national that'd be a fantastic game wouldn't it Dublin Absolutely. away to Mayo in the Super 8 a, a national league uh, group games we'd call it you know in round 1 to 7 in, in Castle Bar or whatever you know it's not it's a big game but it's not a huge game I know a, a Super eight game in Castle Bar Mayo Dublin you oh, know, yeah. or you know, even yeah. a, a neutral you know somewhere Port Leash or whatever you know now that's a proper game and all these really tight games that, that uh, Mayo have come out on the wrong side of have all been in Croke Park Yeah no they definitely have we'll talk a little bit about that in part 3 when we look ahead to some of the games another bit of news lads is Paul Durkin is back for Donegal so he's been living in Dubai for the last couple of years and apparently he's back uh, training with them so he's a huge plus for them like this, this like Sean Patton obviously played for them last year and he's an ex-soccer goalkeeper and he kind of looks the part and um, he kind of came with a bit of a reputation from soccer but like I mean he didn't really carry that through like I mean he'd met he, he, against Down last year in the championship he had a nightmare and uh, like I mean I think this is very interesting Paul Durkin never seems flustered he's always Cluxton never seems flustered obviously the odd rare time but they kind of transmit calm amongst their backline they're never looking like give me something they're just relaxed do you know because I'm thinking with these goalkeepers a lot of it's temperament because like I mean Niall Morgan ta- talent wise is up there I think with the likes of Cluxton Durkin and all these goalkeepers because really when you look at the actual skill Matty of putting the ball down on the 14 yard line or it's on the 20 yard line now and sticking a soccer pass into someone's run a lot of them is tapping it to a corner back like the actual skill involved in it I'm not sure it's that high like Cluxton obviously is better at it than everyone else I think it's temperament with these goalies the pressure that's on these kickouts, the the other teams pushing up knowing whether to actually to go there or go there it's the decision making and temperament I think more than the actual skill of executing the the kick the kick out would that be fair? 
yeah, like I definitely. But in fairness, I do think there's a lot of there's a lot of a huge amount of ability and a huge amount of practice goes into it. You know, the likes. Yeah, of, but a lot Rory, of might Rory think, yeah. is, the, is the best. Oh, Began as well. Yeah. You know, he's he's the, the some of the kickouts last year in Clonus against Kerry were just ridiculous. You know, putting into guys' chest, were running away from him. You know, sixty yards away from the goal, things like this. But as you say, it, it definitely um, transmits calmness to a defence that's in front of him. That Noah Fanken goes over him. He's he's you know he has he's the the ability to come and sweep up behind him and stuff like that. Plus, they're really good shot stoppers and you know it's it's been a bit of a problem area for Donegal um, in the last couple of seasons probably since Durkin has left and the fact that he's back um, you know will be a huge boost to them but no, I, I, I genuinely think that you know there's a lot of work goes in not just with the keeper but with the, probably a lot of the outfield players to make that happen and, and I think to make it look a lot easier than it is because you know yeah. if, if you've played if I, I've you play a couple of matches in goal now and again and you're trying to pick out a fella that's running 40, 50 yards away from you it's not that simple and this is only at you know at, at bad club level okay. never mind at the speed that they're playing and being pushed up on I've over I've underestimated it then obviously Rory Began who I left out what he does is very unique in that he can kick it that far into someone's path I still think somebody that's a half back on the 45 that you should be able to stick it off the ground into his chest running towards you I I think the point I'm making is a lot of goalkeepers obviously if it is a skill a lot of them have similar ability in that area it's choosing the right one or not freaking mm. out when the pressure's on maybe that separates Began, yeah. Cluxton, Durkin from the other ones. Yeah, because that skill is becoming a bit of a bare minimum for keepers now, isn't it? Yeah, it's like the you, minimum requirement. You have to pick out a halfback or midfielder. But yeah, like that, it's a good point you make about temperament. Like, Have you ever seen Stephen Cluxton shouting at anyone? Like, no. Has it ever cracked up? Like, you know, like when you're a keeper, it's obviously the loneliest position, and every mistake you make results in a score, and everybody knows you are directly at fault. But he's never ever blaming anybody else or shouting like somebody, as you say, show for me. Well, that's it. If a goalkeeper's doing that, he's making a show <laughs> of everyone. Is it? Yeah. You often see as well, Matty, players on the field. They try to hang the forwards out. They might let a roar. Will someone show? Like, and <laughs> yeah. when I hear that, I'm like, you weasel! Like, you know, what I mean? like, <laughs> throwing you, someone under you're throwing us, trying to yeah. throw us on the bus. My man's mark me from the front I'm waiting for you to get a bit closer it wasn't the right run don't try to start shouting you know <laughs> yeah. that's to do that Like, and they're only covering their backs with the manager that's it like, uh, someone will shout over to the manager as well and wave their hands in there you're not moving in there <laughs> <laughs> what am I supposed to do here but yeah like Cluxton has obviously never gone anywhere near that level like he's always completely calm and when he makes a mistake like the Kerry game we say he's having a meltdown but he just kept running back and getting the ball and setting it up and internally he was making these mistakes yeah. but it never and Kerry, Kerry obviously had a big part to play in that yeah. because they did something we'd, he Cluxton had never seen before pushing all their players practically into their yeah. half of the field and a lot of keepers there in that case would have just started lumping the ball down the field you know just sort of just rid themselves of any responsibility but he just kept trying to find what Dublin were trying to do yeah which he was trying to do yeah it is it, it's an interesting one isn't it yeah because look at, I, I think in the Dublin Kerry game a couple of weeks ago with, with Kerry, Dublin obviously short a few players as were Kerry mm. but had Cluxton alone been playing that playing in that game I think Dublin probably would have won it you know Comerford was very happy to go to right corner back and kind of wait as long as he had to and you know he, Cluxton where would be happy to bang the ball 50-60 metres over the Kerry press and just get Dublin out of trouble that way but Comerford you know just through lack of experience hadn't got the time or probably got the composure to do it and you know, that's exactly what we're talking about Yeah it'll definitely be interesting to see Comerford in front of Hill 16 with those pressure kicks I can't imagine the pressure that's, that's on it in front of in front of the hill like that um, Odra McNeilish he's been given a break which is fair enough um, he was very very close friends with Michal Rorty who, who died in that car accident and he's coming off a, a club season and he thinks he's on the go for two years and it's just kind of an appetite thing Maddie and I'm sure you can relate to that because I definitely can when the club rolls over and you get a run 
and often I find it the other way around when the county's over and you're looking to be going back into your club and they want you and you're like Jesus I could do it two or three weeks it's not your body it's your head you need to get the hunger back and want to go in rather than have to go in Absolutely 100% um, I've known the last good few years playing club and I haven't played I haven't played hurling with the club for a while but d- over the years I was you were kind of come to the back end of the championship you played hurling one weekend football the next and you could end up playing 10-12 weeks in a row and at the end of it whatever has happened you're just literally exhausted and you know I think you can absolutely understand where Or McNeilis is coming from and particularly with the tragedy they had in Donegal as well that you know just needs a bit of time away from a bit of time to enjoy himself and, and look I don't think it takes too long um, I think there's every chance they'll probably be back for the championship or potentially could be back for the championship yeah. um, you know two three months and you know you're good to go again and you need the appetite as we've said it's not it's not uh, physical it's completely mental that you're just you're mentally drained um, your body doesn't get you're probably only getting fitter physically but mentally I think is the biggest challenge for most um, amateur sports players and it's like I think it's what sets the likes of the All Blacks apart from everyone else that it can keep week in week out year in year out keep churning out top class top quality performances Yeah no definitely and like, I don't think Donegal fans need to worry Audra McNeilish reading from his interview he will be he's not saying he's not going back he's just saying he needs a bit of time and in fairness to Bonner he's given it to him look if I was the Donegal manager Audra McNeilish wanted a few weeks I'm giving it to him yeah. <laughs> like, I, he they, ne- wants, they need him. They need him back. Ah, yeah, and he'll be brilliant again when he comes back. Like you know, and he's, he's been playing all in semi final there the weekend. He's going to be in good shape whenever he comes back. There's a, look, there's a good chance they'll probably get promoted, possibly without him anyway. And you know, to have him coming back in fresh, you know, for the first round of the championship would be a huge boost to the yeah. league as well yeah. as Paul Durkin. Yeah, no, definitely. Come here. I was reading this during the week, and I thought it was definitely a strange one. So this is um, we know Cork haven't started. Um, the year very well they've gone to a defensive system um, you know obviously in response to the two hammerings they took last year against Kerry and against Tyrone and we've talked about this on the show but this was something between at a county board meeting a fortnight ago chairperson uh, chairwoman Tracy Kennedy indicated that McCarthy this is Rona McCarthy had hinted that the Cork's early season difficulties could be partly attributed to not yet finding replacements for Kieran O'Sullivan and Eamon Ryan as selectors Seven months on from Cork's exit in the 2018 Championship, that can't really be an, an excusable, or that can't be excusable or acceptable. Seven months and he can't get two selectors to replace two selectors that are gone. Like, I mean, I knew Cork football had kind of, you know, gone, slipped down and it's not glamorous, but Christ Almighty, like, I mean, every county is able to fill selectors' roles. Um they should be you would think but you know possibly are Kieran O'Sullivan and um, Eamon Ryan doing a bit more than that and, and doing a bit of coaching as well because yeah. I think the day of, of uh, Jim Gavin doing all the coaching or whoever doing all the coaching I think you have to have help you need backup and stuff like that and um, I think it, to me it sounded like Eamon Ryan was bought in um, into the position as a coach and would appear to be a fairly good one judging on his record with the ladies over, over 10 years so yeah. you know whether that's lacking or whatever but you know, surely to God there, there's, there's two guys in Cork who are willing to, to be selectors with, with the football team look at it all times are tough and it's not the most it's not the most glamorous jobs no, no more than our own at the moment but you know surely to God that can't be used as an excuse Well I have to talk to, talk to you about selectors roles anyways like is there a more uh, kind of stupid kind of like there's no value to it okay listen to this you're a selector and you go in right and you're at every training session you're at every meeting you're at everything you might even have a good idea or two that you'll give to the coach or give to the manager you'll never ever get credit for it 
you're at everything you get credit for nothing like it's one of the most selfless jobs in the GEA to be to put in that level of commitment and you'll obviously there'll be a few jobs like administration jobs will you ring that bus organise you're doing all that and again if you've got good ideas someone else is getting credit for them <laughs> I mean, it really is the most thankless job in the GEA um, yeah, look, I, I've been... Who would co- be a selector? Have you, you've been, no, you've been coach. You've been in as a coach. With, in with as a coach and I wasn't selector, nor did I want to be, but I have been on a couple of Wexford panels where, look, at, I won't say with who or under who, but we had selectors and, like, you were literally saying to guys, you know, what is he doing? But when you actually dig a bit deeper into it, apparently these guys actually are there for a reason, you know, that they're, they're, they can read games, stuff like that, stuff that other people just can't do. Yeah. And, you know, they, they do have a reason. Like, I think the day, probably the day of just a guy being there as a selector, I think they're getting probably thin on the ground or fairly numbered because I can't imagine that the likes of Paul Clark is standing with his hands in his pockets at Dublin training no, every night no. looking but, to see who's going well and things like that. I think he, he's a bit more hands-on than that. But here's the thing as well. I'm the manager of the team. I've got a very clear vision of how I want this team to play and who will fit into it and then I go into a, a team meeting and three selectors vote me down on what I want <laughs> like I mean I'm not having that as manager so like I mean how does even the dynamic of that you know what I mean work is it, is it an old fashioned thing or like I mean in like obviously in the Premier League the manager picks the team nobody's telling him well I've got a say in this it is a GEA tradition or does a manager have like more power in the selection that a, that a selector can give their opinion yeah but you know they'll take it on board but it, it's not like obviously a manager can't be voted down from what he wants yeah I don't think a manager should be encouraging a vote like, you know, he should just <laughs> listen to what they have to say and then no, make the actually, decision my father was selector on a lot of teams and he said well it came down to two against one or whatever like that it almost <laughs> would have been a vote yeah that's madness I would never do that as a manager I would just listen to what they have to say and respect what they have to say because that's where you have them in but ultimately you you're the one making the decision because you're the one that's going to fall on them like you know if something goes bad but I, I, just, I just think of selectors for, th- through club experience just and it's usually just somebody very popular and like what you're saying there that, that selfless thing and that's why people tend to like them at club level because yeah. they're there and they, they'll have something funny to say they'll say something nice to you in between drills that you're going well or they'll fill up water you know and they'll help out with all the organising yeah. it's, a, like it's a vocation isn't yeah. it a selector's job that's, the, that's the, the reality of it like I mean it definitely is a GA tradition. I, I, I don't know. It could. It, it might not die out at club level, but I'd say at intercounty level, it's probably gone. Like you say, Maddie, the traditional selector that just comes and maybe has his say on the team selection. Dublin Senior Club Championship draw always have um, you know big interest in this, and there's a group of deaths straight away: Kilmacud, Crokes, Ballymun, Kickham, Saint Sylvester's, and Nafina. Ouch is all I have to say to that. Like, I mean, that's a sensational group. Our own Conan uh, Matty's Scary's Harps uh, transfer one life, two clubs like myself. <laughs> <laughs> so he's in with Brian Cullen and the, the lads in Scary. So you've got a lovely little group. Like, like I mean, I don't want you, you obviously you take each game as a club. I know, really, that's a tough group, and every game's going to be tough. <laughs> yeah, but like, I mean, it's 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 a group where you'd be looking at it and going, you t- fancy Bally Bowden, Clontarf are decent, Lucan are decent, but you could potentially be Clontarf or Lucan. Yeah, like last year we were in with uh, Nafina and Vincent and like we thought we were unlucky not to go through. We had Nafina in the last game and we needed to beat them to go through and we drew and it was last minute point to sort of equalise. We were five up so we're sort of disappointed we didn't get to the quarters but you're looking thinking, you know, Bally Bowden's obviously going to be a tough draw. We drew with Lucan last year. I right. have never played Clontarf since I joined Scary so um, I don't know. Is Paul much. Casey still on the go with Lucan? 
Um, yes, he was last year anyway. Full back yeah. or somewhere, probably. He was wing halfback at the wing time. Wing back still. Yeah. Aggressive still as well. Really? Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, listen, it's, it's a good group, like, and we're, we're just looking forward to the challenge ahead. <laughs> okay, outstanding. <laughs> uh, group four is Vincent's Bridges, Castleknock, and um, Ballantyre. Vincent's Bridges, Castleknock, all top. Um, level teams even though Bridges kind of flatter to deceive so look don't know Maddie, have you interest in the first, I think Dublin club football is just on a different level comp- competition wise and obviously because of all the cultures that play up there as well as the brilliant uh, Dublin players it just makes a real interesting championship out of it It's an excellent championship and thank, you know, thankfully you do show a fair few games particularly the latter end of the championship on on television which it's always great to look at but you know just looking at all the groups the others Barn probably group two there's none of them are you know particularly easy and you know it's no it's no coincidence you've a really strong Dublin senior championship you've a really strong Dublin senior football team and you know probably some of the coaches coming in are probably helping that where you know you've really really strong club teams and they're only getting stronger like I, I would imagine a lot of the Dublin teams are probably training like county teams were maybe six eight years ago oh no they pro- are and, pro- and very possibly harder than some I was or, taken or, or every bit as hard as some of them anyway I was taken aback by the level of training Parnells were doing in comparison to Port Leach who would win it every year and have run like we've been in an in club final like I mean that was a bit earlier but we've won provincial club titles and you wouldn't be doing anywhere near the strength and conditioning they are now but we weren't at the time and I was thinking Jesus this is nearly the level I was doing with Leash <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, no, look, look strength at, and conditioning and yeah. stuff like that a lot of clubs are probably a long way behind and I know from our own days coming up here to play to play um, Dublin teams in, in, in challenge games you know for 20 minutes you would be run completely off your feet and if you could stay if you could stick it out that long you would hang in the game we had some great games up here but we, we really felt even that time and that's a good pile back that um, you know we were a long way behind um, as regards strength and conditioning uh, aerobic fitness everything that the Dublin clubs are yeah up. that was the big thing I noticed two results I have for you Maddie before we move on because we've Rory Grugan coming up on the show next 2016 National Football League Wexford 420 London 1-6 2018 National Football League London 210 Wexford 8 points Jesus now we know you don't know what you're going to get from London on a year to year basis but that's a, that's a big slide for Wexford and look we kind of mentioned this to you already and then they came back and had a great result against Antrim but um, losing to London and this is no disrespect to London and you have a Wexford man managing them um, like I mean it's that's an embarrassing result for Wexford football Absolutely um, you know we were sitting here after the, the first round losing to Leitrim and you know um tentatively tipped Leitrim to beat him and they actually went and won um, but or Antrim, Antrim. sorry um, but Waterford are coming the weekend and you know God only knows what's coming Waterford came to Exeter last year and won in the qualifiers but you know look I really believe you reap what you saw and we, are, we have been struggling at underage for a long number of years and what we're putting into it in, in every sense and um, until it's arrested and as I said I think I might have mentioned a couple of weeks ago that you know Anthony Masters and our former goalkeeper has gone in as GDO and he's doing his hard started doing a lot of good work but to be honest it's probably a generation away before we're seeing any results of that at, at National Football League level and you know look at uh, I think losing by that score to London and absolutely no disrespect to London Kieran Dealey is doing a fantastic job with them over there and, and very very professional in his approach but I think that's an all time law for Wexford football Yeah it probably is Alright we'll come back with Rory Grugan he gave me back then was he, we were in the Glen Royal on a night out and he, I'd never met him before and he put his arm around me and he said you won't go too far wrong if you win the ball and give it to me I said alright well okay that's great advice yeah, it was <laughs> for you Oh. Uh-huh. 
So Armagh find themselves in the relegation places but only one win off the top of Division 2 table and Rory Grugan joins us on the line to talk about this. Rory, this is a very weird position you find yourselves in. Yeah, it's a really strange one. Um, not only, I suppose, our games but even looking at the other results the way they've been like in the most recent round three there I suppose after we get beaten by me you're thinking like we're going to really be in um, bother but with the way other results went the fact that Tipperary beat Donegal and then was it Fermanagh beating Kildare as well it just left it so open Yeah, like you know the difference that there's only three points between bottom and top probably shows how competitive a division it is but from our point of view like I think it's been fairly well documented that we should have seen a couple of those games out and even to be you know probably people talking about oh, we're seeing to be making progress and we're playing good football and stuff but it's kind of not much consolation then when you don't kind of pick up the points either No, you feel like you're, you feel like you're going in the right direction but um, uh, it's just of trying about seeing those games out when you are in a position especially coming down the, the home stretch in those games So you can say in all three games you had yourselves in great position especially the first two and you could argue against me to point down with a really strong wind with 10 minutes to go all three you didn't see out like I mean it, it jumped into my mind talking about it on the podcast that I remember Leash kind of smash and grabbed you yeah. up in the Athletic Grounds Tipperary did it to you um, yeah. do you know like I mean is this is closing games out an issue for you is this something that you, you've spoken about or you've identified it as something that you, you you might have a problem with now and then? Probably in that season it was more so of an issue um, I heard you talking about those games in the podcast and it jumped into my head as well that especially the temporary game you know probably the goal at the end the Michael Quinlivan goal like we would have looked back at that a lot and saw how kind of naive we were and the way we sat up and stuff and really had to adjust how we were kind of in terms of game management how we were trying to see things out in terms of these ones, you kind of have to take each of them on their merits on their own. Like the Kildare game, uh, I, I do accept we should have been better. It was more probably the mistakes we made on the ball ourselves more so than letting them back into it. Um, like we were maybe five up with about 12 or 13 minutes left. Like So we should have saw that out. Then the Clare one, you were four up going into stoppage time. And I suppose like we thought we'd defended the initial ball well. Next thing, Tuberty kicks it over from the sideline. You know, we go up the pitch again. There's a turnover down the far sideline, and they work the ball up the pitch again. One of our defenders does well to win the ball out in front of his man, knocks it out for another sideline, and you're thinking, you know, you're going to see this out, and he drops one in on top of the square that ends up in the net, like, and you're just going, how the hell did that happen? Yeah. So that's, um, yeah. And then I suppose then the last one, the Mees one, we had been nine points down at half time. We were really poor in the first half, and to be fair to me, they were brilliant with the wind, and then. We got all the momentum, had kicked maybe seven or eight scores in a row. And just as we got it down to one point, they maybe won the next kick out and just were real smart with the ball then and killed our, all our momentum and won a score with three close to goal out to go back to two and kind of just that gave them their confidence back and they kind of saw it out from there. But it's frustrating, like I suppose, for us looking back on what you do differently and stuff and what you have to learn from us. There's a fair amount of young players and stuff maybe playing their first games in the league and. I found maybe over the years that you learn that wee bit of experience and seeing those things out like when you're looking back on it again whether it's a decision making to maybe go for a goal when there's a point on trying the kick pass and maybe there was a safer option on and you sort of ask yourself sometimes are we um, are we a bit you know too keen in that way sometimes like 
we we did a fair amount of plaudits probably for the style of football we like to play. But sometimes you'd be kind of wondering to yourself, is it always the best? You could be a wee bit more pragmatic at times, especially in the last few minutes. Well, that's that's it. The kicking game is risky, and why play the risky game when you're ahead? You know what I mean? Towards the end of yeah. it, maybe that's when you pull the reins back a bit, maybe. Yeah, well, that's it. You kind of get yourself into a bit of a existential crisis because it's funny last year after the Roscommon game, like everyone talked about it being one of the games of the summer and stuff. And even then, with my own club, we had a game against in the county final against Cross McLean, like, and everyone talked about how good it was for the neutral and stuff. Yeah. And in both of those games, I was coming out on the wrong side, and I'm going like, "What is it? Like, what does it really mean if I'm, you know, part of this great game that everyone enjoyed as a neutral, but as me as a as a person who wants to win, I'm coming out losing both games. What's better, you know?" So. I suppose I just would have a belief and luckily Kieran's uh, very much the same way about wanting to play an attacking brand of football and he believes the best way of moving the ball forward is initially through the foot and stuff as well so it just suits the style of players we have you know so um, I think that's just when we're at our best Yeah and that's like I mean that's fantastic and I think you're a great team to watch I was at the, that Roscommon game and like you took a bad beating against uh, Tyrone the year before in the quarterfinals and you stuck with your guns and you came back you know with the moving the ball through the foot and maybe it wasn't your system that they maybe no matter what system you played you were flat against Tyrone because you see Roscommon and Cork have responded to those hammerings and they've gone you know they've kind of followed the the trend of playing more of a hand passing game and dropping bodies back you, you've stuck with the, your belief and your philosophy yeah I suppose uh, the, there's maybe two philosophies within within each game within every sort of team's game plan if you like now like without the ball I'd like to think we're fairly clued in in terms of not leaving your, your back door open you know the way we probably did in 2017 against Tyrone where we were going up, committing loads of numbers to the attack, getting caught in the trap, and then they were hitting us on the counter attack. You know, um, I, I think we've sort of learned a wee bit how to be more kind of secure at the back in that type of situation when teams have players behind the ball. But the idea is, I suppose, still for us when we get it back, our first thought is to move it as quick as we can to our forward line because we believe we've got good forwards who, if we move the ball early and as, it, as the old cliche goes, like it moves faster, and um, the ball moves faster than the man. So we do like to get it up there as quick as possible. So I like to think we've got a good balance. You know, we're always trying to improve. Like our big things, we're playing on the front foot and trying to get as many scores as possible. But you know, there's probably um, the debate there as well, and sometimes between management too. Like, do we need to keep it a wee bit more short up the back? But like I said earlier, Kieran's always been of the opinion that if you're playing on the front foot, that means the, you're more like, more with the ball and the team you're playing against on the back foot like. yeah no well that's true obviously Jamie Clark and Stephen Campbell are back this year which is fantastic for you because they're two top level forwards you have yourself who kind of alternates between number 11 or maybe the, the front of a front three you know out in front of yeah. the two and, and playing around you have Ryan O'Neill who's come in who looks like he's got sensational range of passing you know putting being able to put it in and he's a big man to come in his own ball Andrew Mernon is coming off an unbelievable game have you spoken about the getting the balance right between all you kind of which seem to me to be footballers predominantly is where you're strongest rather than the Brian Dewar type fellas that might run around the field tackling and, and winning the ball back yeah um, I suppose we've probably like there's maybe an understanding now that without the ball there's a responsibility on most people within the team to do a certain amount of defending or a role within your defence whether that's you know the, the initial press up front or more deep line half forwards but um, we try to keep as 
such a shape that'll be beneficial to us when we do have the ball. Like so, probably some of the earlier games that there's been this year, you'd have the likes of Jamie and um, Stefan Supi and Rain O'Neill, which is a fairly potent attack. But I suppose Andrew Mernon's actually been injured in the early parts of the season, yeah. and Ethan Rafferty as well, who was playing at the start of last year. And like that, those boys would all be van, say, if you're playing that type of shape for three positions, five players, and then you have a who would like to be playing there. There's, um, and you know, there's a load of other forwards like Niall Grimley and, and our wing forwards like Tamar Hall, Ryan Machine. So we do kind of have a, a good few options there at the minute. And I suppose now for us to be wanting to compete with the best teams, which we're enjoying, you know, competing with better teams in Division Two, we need to have that competition for places as well. So them boys coming back in was a big boost this year. Jamie and uh, Stefan and Oshin O'Neill Rain's brothers back in this year as well. So everyone's kind of pushing hard but uh, there's definitely competition for places now up in the forward now. Yeah, which is really important. Like, I mean, you definitely have, you're overloaded in the forward, in the forward line, in the <laughs> yeah. forward division really, aren't I you? Like, I mean, but that, obviously that's a good thing. You, 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 you play, you have to be on your, on your guard all the time. I saw a quote from you by saying like, obviously your Ulster Championship record under Geezer has been very disappointing. You haven't won a game yet. Um, and I saw a quote from you and you said, as a squad we've had to look very hard at why we failed in Ulster at that stage of the year again we put so much work into how we're going to play if you compare it to the qualifiers where you literally don't have much time to work on your game plan in theory you think we should have prepared better for Fermanagh so you do well in the qualifiers when you don't have to prepare too much and when you put all your eggs into the Ulster Championship basket and have a big lead in is the pressure too much for you? Are you overthinking the game plan? Are you over practicing it? Are you are you better off just playing a week on week where it's kind of sometimes you can overstudy? Absolutely. Like I suppose you, you do. There was a bit of an inquest into that again last year, and you ask yourself like because you maybe have that gap now, especially there with the club month and stuff, and your usual gap between the league and the championship. It's nearly like a double season, so you reset yourself, and then you've maybe got a four or five week window leading in. To the championship first round game, which you never have at any other stage of the season. Yeah, and I don't know if it suits us particularly as a team. I wouldn't like to think that it was a disadvantage that you had time to prepare <laughs> and stuff. But <laughs> some of the times it just feels like um, we got momentum through the qualifiers. You know, where we're going either every week or every two weeks. That you were obviously getting a look at a team on a Thursday night before, but it wasn't this case that you were nearly in your own head too much about how it was going to go, that you were perhaps second-guessing yourself in terms of Fermanagh's setup and stuff last year, that it came to the point where we just then fell completely flat on the day and didn't perform anywhere near their potential. So I do I do agree to an extent that we're maybe better to not big it up too much, you know, that this is the be-all and end-all. I suppose the, the whole idea of, of Kieran's record and stuff in Ulster seems to be bandied about now. Um, and I'd imagine it will be again closer to the summer so it'll be up to us as players to kind of not get too concerned with that and try and just kind of play a wee bit with a wee bit more flow in our football and hopefully you know bring out that performance Yeah it's a little bit like Arsene Wenger hasn't won a trophy in so many years it starts to become a thing the longer it goes on and then it you know it, it just adds on that pressure The problem about not building up the first round of the Ulster is that you only have down who are your mortal enemies and you have almost <laughs> unless, unless you make a league final you almost have two bloody months to, to lead into this one I know that's it I'm supposed <laughs> we played them there two years ago as well so yeah. um, there's all that as well uh, and you definitely there'll be plenty of hype around it with your near neighbours like but it's a frustrating thing too I suppose and it's always it seems to be a thing about Kieran's record and all but it's just 
like as players you, you really wish that you could take on more of that responsibility yourself uh, rather than it being led at his door like because I look back probably my own career so far and there's been stop starts with different years when I was in and out for different reasons travelling and that but I've only been involved in two uh, first round wins in my time playing with Armagh which is probably over the course of about seven or eight seasons you know we've lost our last four and there's 2014 we won and 2011 that's the only years that I've since I've been involved that we've actually won the first round so it's something you really want to get that monkey off the back like yeah. not only as a as a team but even for me personally well she, you know like the, the thing with Geezer he just has to say boo and it's headlines like I mean that's just something he has to deal with and yeah. you know it, it just it, whatever team he's over it's just it's it's magnified you know like I mean he's just that big yeah. big huge character within the GA. come here I read another thing from you I want to run past you and like I said I was at that game Roscommon game and you missed a penalty and you said yeah. you hadn't been practising penalties so I think it's because you were captain you, you stepped up when maybe somebody else didn't want to step up I, funny, I remember you, again I'm, I'm always listening to the show and I remember you, you talking about this maybe the week after and I did an interview maybe with the Irish News and I think the fellow doing it maybe picked me up wrong I was actually <laughs> saying that I had been practising that week um, but in the as the penalty was given whatever it was the keeper said something and he kind of he just kind of put me off a wee bit and he said something like all oh, the same as last time basically in terms of which side I was going to go to ah. so instead of going to the side I'd been going to even all week in training I like second guessed myself and went the other way and, and he saved it oh no so, that, so that, 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 that was the point that I was making which was even more frustrating in my own head that I didn't just stick to my guns and go the side I was planning Right, so this is Colm Lavin in goals from Roscommon. That's a nice little trick. It's just a li- little subtle thing to get inside your head. Without, it's not trash talk. It's just same as yeah. you always go. Like, I mean, it's a good one. Yeah, really. because I'd ha- yeah, I'd had I'd had a penalty maybe earlier on in the league and scored. So I don't know at this stage why the keepers are, are looking in in their preparation for penalty deckers. But he tried something anyway, so it was not fucked for him. But yeah, um, no, not not a good memory. It definitely worked right. So you have Tipperary this weekend, anyways. Like like I said, you can't build it up anymore because you're at home, and you kind of simply have to win this. Because, like we said at the start, that a win could see you go top. You know, or two wins yeah. in a row could see you go top, or suddenly you could be down with Cork in a like Jesus Armagh have yo-yoed too much now, and you're too good to be going back down to Division Three. So maybe there's a bit of pressure. Yeah, there probably is. Um, like round four always seems to be kind of crunch time in your league campaign it either means you're looking up one way or looking down the other and the way this league is like we said it's really kind of a case of especially with your home games too we lost our home advantage with the for the Clare game so this is actually our first home league game out of the, the first three rounds so oh, yeah. uh, it's, impo- it's important to try and make use of that you know obviously we talked about that temporary game in 2017 in the league too uh, with the late goals so there's that added sort of motivation of trying to get the win this weekend um, because there's just nothing easy come down we've done a goal the following week in Bali Buffet which is always extremely difficult so we really don't want to be leaving ourselves clamouring for points, you know, coming into the last two weekends. Yeah, not with them getting a few lads back now as well. Donegal are only going to yeah. get stronger for the for the rest of it. But come here, listen, I've been trying to get you on the podcast for a while. I've, I finally got you on it, so thanks very much for that. No problem. It's good to be on. I'm a big fan of the show. Ah, great stuff, Rory. Thanks a lot and best of luck for the rest of the year. Cheers, Colin. Bye.
Come here, I want you to talk us through the goal you scored in the county final after 15 seconds. I want you to tell me when you had goal on your mind. Yeah, you probably had a few 15 seconds experiences yourself. <laughs> uh, Wake me up, show me what you got, because I don't want no one minute man. So Paddy Power predictions, which have kind of turned into Paddy Power accumulators here now, lads. So we we didn't do too well um, the last one. Um, well, I can only speak for myself. I think all of mine lost except for one. <laughs> except for one. Like I mean, I just it was a bloodbath. It was an absolute bloodbath. <laughs> the only one that I got I won on was Claire. Whoever Claire, who did Claire be? Oh, Cork. Cork yeah. yeah, that was an obvious one, and they were a great price. And all other the other three lost. But anyways, we'll do tr- try and do a little bit better. And we've Maddie making his debut today, and we'll see what kind of accumulator he comes up with. So my accumulators. 13 to 1 so it's Dublin at 1 to 3 according to Paddy Powers odds and this was yesterday's odds now that could have changed um, Clare 9 to 4 against Kildare away which is my outside one then I have Longford at evens um, against home to down down are pretty much evens as well and have Leitrim favourites at 8 to 15 to beat Limerick so we'll talk about Dublin Mayo here first and the interesting thing about this Dublin Mayo game lads is that like Mayo have a chance to knock Dublin out of the league this year like I mean they're trying to Mayo are trying trying out young fellas and it would be a great experience for these young fellas to play Dublin in the league but they also have a chance of knocking Dublin out so whatever that might do to Dublin we never know you know like Dublin are going for five and rotors that pressure there suddenly they don't make a league final when they've always done it under Jim Gavin and maybe that might add a little bit of pressure to Dublin so does James Horan go with his very strongest team and try to knock Dublin out of the league or does he say well, these young lads are going to benefit from this because we might play Dublin in Crow Park in the summer and go out with your, like, you know, and with your sprinkle of five, or f- five young fellas. Um, probably, I think, a little bit of both, but I think probably for Mayo, it shouldn't be about knocking Dublin out of the league. It should be about getting a victory over Dublin because, as the stats have shown, they've been very thin on the ground over the last 10 years. So, you know, to, to put one in the, in the win column for, for Mayo will be huge. And, you know, it will, if, if, if he has that sprinkling of young guys playing that he's had so far in the league, it will give them a bit of confidence if to come back, if and probably when to come back to Croke Park later on the year to play Dublin. Yeah. Um, and I said, not really, but I look at Dublin going out of the league, you know, while they won't want it, and they'll certainly say that, you know, I don't think it'll be. A big, a big disaster for them. You know, it'll be a little bit fresher, a game or two less, and you know, it might actually help them in the long run. But I think it's more from Mayo's point of view, the victory to just get a win over Dublin, um, as opposed to knocking Dublin out of the league. We've mentioned with Dublin the the fact that the two week break now. This is real. This is there's no excuses for Dublin now. Jim Gavin can't talk about fitness or anything because they're back from holidays long enough. They've had three league games. The two week break. Now we're seeing Dublin you know the real Dublin but they have a good few uh, injuries especially in the defence Keena Sullivan obviously has been out Philly McMahon has been out John Small and Eric Lowndes from the last game Small's obviously suspended and Lowndes is injured as well now they still have enough like Jack McCaffrey's back James McCarthy's there Johnny Cooper's there you know what I mean they still have a, a pretty strong hand to be, yeah. de- to be dealing with they always do don't they they've never ever lost three games in a year under Jim Gavin like you know no. league or championship so like, and I think with Mayo coming, they're going to be back at it again because when Mayo comes to Dublin, they want to they want to spank them. Not only now do they need to win, but they'll want to win anyway because it's Mayo. So, yeah, this will be the real test. And if Mayo can win this, then you you really are looking at a there might be some questions over Dublin, and b Mayo questions being answered. Like they could be the real deal. And like the 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 question about youngsters, I thought bringing them in was like the reason wasn't really to give them. 
a chance and sort of see what they're like. It was actually because they were improving the team and potential you know, starters. McDonough and Reap and Ruan, like these boys have won all Ireland's, like you know, freshers titles. You know, they're like the proper pedigree coming in there as well and they're obviously showing well you're throwing freshers title into yeah. pedigree are you <laughs> I want to be make all Ireland plural but McDonough obviously is the exciting one the wing forward and like I mean he was outstanding against uh, Tyrone he got a point against uh, Cavan I didn't see that game um, uh, Kevin McLaughlin is back now as well so he came on for Fionn McDonough last time Keen O'Connor is back as well so like I mean Mayo have a lot of their big guns filtering back in here this is going to be a classic game there's no doubt about that it's a Saturday night game under lights in Croke Park and two teams while you talk about Dublin or some people like to talk about Dublin hand passing outside and being boring they're only doing that because the other team is camped inside their 45 Saturday night we'll see a brilliant game of attacking football because James Horan only knows one way to play Dublin know when they play Mayo they're not going to have to play their plan B which I think that is their plan B Dublin like to go for you as well so like I mean whatever we can expect or whoever we're trying to predict to win it's going to be a great game yeah, potentially it should, really should be you know weather permitting you know, a, dry, a dry evening in Croke Park and two teams that want to play football and I know Mayo have really opened up this year in the league and really tried to attack and the other likes of Colin Boyle and Lee Keegan and, and Keith Higgins they look really refreshed and they look fresh again this year and hungry again yeah. Bring add, add in those couple of young guys you know with a couple more to come back um, you know it has the makings of a very good game and you know Dublin will not want to lose in, in Croke Park and they certainly won't want to lose to Mayo um, with that record to have over them so look at as we say it definitely has the makings of a good one. But that that the freshness is an important one because Aidan O'Shea said um, he's captain this year. I, 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 that must have missed, uh, missed me. I, did, I hadn't seen that until uh, yesterday. We said we really wanted to set a few things straight after a disappointing year last year. We wanted to get back on the right road. So you add that desire to put things right, the rest they would have got from not going straight through into an all final James Horan freshening it up with a new manager it's almost like a, like the idea that Mayo are a long way on the road it doesn't feel like this is an, no. aid, an, an old Mayo team it feels like this is a brand new kind of young fresh Mayo team and you're still going with Dublin and you're a Kimmel <laughs> yeah well 13 nil, 10, <laughs> yeah. 10, 10 wins and 3 draws I hope uh, I hope Jimmy Sloyan doesn't find out that Aidan O'Shea is the captain <laughs> <laughs> although he's probably been captain the whole time according to him well that's the thing you know this Jimmy Sloan that the video is going around on Twitter where he thinks the O'Shea is an all pick the team there, there is some debate about Aidan O'Shea about where he should play for Mayo what, what, what's your thoughts on this uh, Matty like I, I actually think centre half forward is his most consistent position for Mayo full forward he's hit and miss he's not a proper full forward in a scoring manner he can have good games same as I used to have good games but when it came down to it you weren't accurate enough you know what I mean or didn't have that you you were a proper 15 or you know 14 Aidan can do a job in there but he won't have five consistent good games in there you know what I mean whereas at 11 he's out in the action and he's kind of you know in the mix Yeah I guess through a huge amount of work out there but he does a lot of work very deep and I noticed that in the last league game um, you know he spent a lot of time kind of behind midfield He's a brilliant tackler Mm. Very good tackler and obviously he's a huge man as well but you know is there a bit of potential for him to play full forward now with the offensive mark Um, you know during the league where you know he can win high ball but you know a lot of teams with the exception of the Dublins and the Kerrys play a kind of packed defence and it's very easy it's very easy to snuff that out to double up on him turn yeah, around absolutely yeah. and as you said look he's not he's not a prolific scorer and that's not a that's not an insult in any way but he's not he's not noted for his scoring 
I'd like to see him play in midfield for a while you know he's going to be on equally as much ball out there and you know somebody like Dermot O'Connor a centre forward who's probably a bigger scoring threat but look at Mayo haven't found his best position I don't know in the last maybe 6-7 years I'm not sure if we're going to do yeah. it in the next but 5 he, minutes Yeah but like he means suppose he's got two all-stars so like I mean he's definitely been fa- like yeah against her own he alternated between doing a lot of work and being in the full forward line I, that's probably the best role like I mean give him 10 minutes in both halves in full forward just to keep the other mm. team guessing and like if you've got a if you know he's coming in centre forward like Dublin did in 2016 where he destroyed Donegal with that one brilliant goal Dublin were ready for him whereas if he'd gone out centre forward that day as a start well Dublin are a little bit rattled we weren't expecting this and then stick him in and bring him out you know what I mean yeah I think that's how James Horne will use him I don't think he'll use him in midfield although he could but I think he's enough options there I think he'll he'll uh, he'll play him centre forward he's an option for kick outs on both sides he gets through a mountain of work mm. and he can go in there if needs be yeah it's more fluid so he can play midfield and he can play full forward and he doesn't need to be told specifically to go into full forward because he's just in that sort of in between area um, I, I asked him a couple of months ago just which did he prefer full forward midfield or centre forward and he did say centre forward himself as well and I think it's Joe just Broly doesn't think he's a centre forward <laughs> well Joe Broly thinks a lot of things but um, but Broly thinks a ha- centre forward has to be the playmaker centre forward yeah. he's like he's, he has blinkers on as if there's no other type of centre forward you could possibly play I think, only but, a playmaker and that's assuming that a playmaker all a playmaker does is pass like Aidan O'Shea makes plays because he charges through three tackles and then he lays it off to somebody yeah. you know it's just a different type of playmaker yeah. but it's I'm probably more effective than a lot of them like you know him coming at pace having three lads around him and throwing it off to Killian O'Connor who comes around him like I mean he draws a lot of frees as well and yeah. you know, there's a penalty in, in a qualifier game again a questionable one albeit against uh, was it Fermanagh or Derry a couple of years ago um, that got them through um, but look at, he, he's such a big man one on one he's going to either he's going to either get away from a guy or he's going to win a free and you know look at it's it's a good problem for Mayo to have of what position do to play him in um, but look at I suppose the reality is he can play in, in probably two or three positions that's the thing the, 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 the idea that Mayo's forward line is Kevin Kevin McLaughlin Aidan O'Shea Jason Doherty Killian O'Connor Andy Moran they've all been set in stone pretty much for the last while so maybe Fionn McDonough can come in and rattle this put Jason Doherty into the full forward line am I missing anybody here Bra- uh, Brian Reap just now Reap here, can get in there yeah. but like I mean it's not an easy forward line to get on now I've taken Dearman O'Connor out of there yeah. and put him he'd be on the wing and Jason Doherty be in the corner so like I mean now Fionn McDonough can come in wing forward and Dearman O'Connor goes to midfield so that's changing it up a little bit but I can't get away from thinking we're going to be back outside of Fionn McDonough who's put his hand up so far with the same forward line only Fionn McDonough comes in Dermot O'Connor goes to midfield and that's the change is that enough of a change you know what I mean time will tell it's a bloody brilliant forward line it yeah. has, a, has a bit of everything because Jason Doherty plays a little bit in front of Andy Moran and Killian O'Connor and it's just a lovely it's a lovely shape but, but against Dublin it has come up short but if they don't have if they don't have better players than them there's not much kind of to do not really look I suppose Saturday night will tell us more uh, personally I'd like to see Dermot O'Connor in the in the forward line um, I, I think he's one of the best footballers in the country over the last four or five years gets through a huge amount of work and I think he's a real scoring threat as well he obviously does a huge amount of good work around midfield and he is a bit of a playmaker a very good kick passer and things like that I'd like to see him a bit closer to the goal with with uh, you know if, when, if, if and when Seamus O'Shea gets back um, and then look at to have, to have a couple of options up there you know I think Jason since he came in has been very very good and he scored consistently in the three games um, But he, and he's added that bit of 
suppose a bit of youth and a bit of a bit of legs into that forward line. But we're still going to end up with four or five of the of the guys we've seen over the last number of years. Of the old stops, and Tom Parsons has to come back into midfield. So Shea's back now as well, is he? He's back as well. Yeah. See, all all their competition was always around midfield. It's not an easy team to get on if you're a young fella. Like, who do you dislodge? Because it's a it's a very set starting fifteen, and they actually have seven backs into six. There's always that we've spoken about that. Like, it's between Dirk and Colin Boyle, Lee Keegan, Donny Vaughan is for the half back line. That's four into three. Then you have the full back line, which is Harrison, um, which. Cafferkey and then Higgins. The other, Higgins is the other then you have Young O'Donoghue that's not far off that team Higgins could play full back or somebody else could, Harrison can play full back mm. that's not a, a difficult that's not an easy team for a young fella to, to break onto and Vaughan can play in midfield too he offers you he, Horan loves Vaughan Vaughan is a real dynamic runner who only knows one way to go and that's kind of forward and he's a big powerful man and I think James Horan is a huge fan of Vaughan and I've a f- I would have a feeling that Colin Boyle might lose out as a wing back ahead of Vaughan. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know about that. Will he? I, loves I, think I, I think I have Colin Boyle playing every yeah. day of the week, um, I, and I think I agree with you. He's, he, he does. He is a fan of Vaughan because I think it was a couple of years ago one of. Vaughan's GPS stats, I think, it nearly blew up. He had that many. I think it was sixteen kilometers or something ridiculous Jeez. like that. And in, like for in eight, in 70, 75 minutes of, of a Gaelic football match, he just literally must never have stopped. And yeah. you know, look at that. That will bring its own rewards as well. Yeah. Okay. Right. So the prediction order. I've got, obviously got Dublin in this accumulator. The other one is Clare to be Kildare, which is a bit of an out, outside bet. It is nine to four. Um, Last year, in the, or 2017, they, they played Kildare in Newbridge and they only lost by a point. It was 18 points to 114 and Clare beat them that year then two weeks later or a few weeks later in the Division 3 league final in Croke Park. Um, Kildare aren't at full strength. They're nowhere near full strength actually. They have a whole load of fellas um, out injury. We know Niall Kelly's gone off the panel. We know Daniel Flynn's gone off the panel. We know Johnny Burns gone off the panel. Paul Cribben, Paddy Brophy, Kevin Flynn are all injured. So you're looking at some serious experienced top top grade players out Clare will be pretty much at full strength Tuberty was on the show last week he's on absolute fire he's got overall his injury problems that's what had been holding him back a little bit because he hadn't been at full full throttle the last couple of years I haven't found he's only 31 he's 30 not 32 yet he's flying it you know yeah like they have a a very a top level first 15 Clare have and they, the league is their championship pretty much because again they have Kerry in a bloody Munster semi-final for the I think it's the fourth year fourth year in a row of memory it could be fifth so they're getting completely screwed on the and it's not even seeded it's an open draw to just keep drawing Kerry like it's terrible bad luck because they have Cork's measure like they're beating Cork regularly now and they, <laughs> and they keep getting Kerry in a semi so they can't even get the, the kind of glamour of getting into a, a, a Munster final but anyways um, the, the Ronan Sweeney said after the last game in 2017 he said they hit harder than any other team we've played so far this season um, it's great to be able to take those hits and come out with a win I just think Clare Newbridge is a poxy place to play in but I think it might suit Clare because they're a big, strong, physical team and they like those kind of close exchanges. Yeah, Clare don't mind getting down dirty in fairness. No. We went down to... Um, they're hardy whores, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, we went down to Ennis a few times to play um, and look, scraped out with, and this is back in the day in our last visit with, with the Wexford seniors. We were we were handed a nice bit of a beating down there three years ago. So, um, you know, they really buy into the qualifiers and have done it the last couple of years and have some really, really good winners, good wins in the qualifiers. And you say they're really unlucky just to keep drawing Kerry. Um, I think anybody else in Munster and they're potentially getting to a Munster final. But, um, you know, Division, Division 2 is an absolute minefield where 
you know, Armagh are second from bottom, having money that they're only two points off top. Off so, the top, like, yeah. literally, any result in Division Two would not be a surprise. And you know, Kildare winning in Newbridge certainly wouldn't. Yeah, so that's it. Um, anything to say on that, Conan? I don't want to leave you out. Oh, no, no, it was clear who Paul Galvin wasn't at that time a couple of years ago on the on the show that said that oh, yeah. it always felt like Kerry had to beat them because you were worried about what they could grow into if they got a bit of sort of confidence or got their tails up. And he talked about this arrogance that they had, and every time they went to play Clare, it was this big deal, and they had to keep putting them down. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. And I was reading, I think it was a Kieran Shannon piece in the Examiner where he was talking about Colin Collins has another coach now, so he just said this, by, but he's a he's concentrating more on their defence because they obviously conceded 32 points to Kerry and he does like to play he doesn't like to play a, a packed defence so like this fella's coming in trying to improve their defence outside of that so like that was kind of interesting enough that he is like he goes through a coach a year Colin Collins I joke with him on the show here last year I says what's your wh- why what's your problem like are you a absolute <laughs> drill sergeant that you won't get he keeps losing coaches but maybe it's just for whatever reason Bowen was there the wing back from Cork what's his name the left half back for Cork when they won the All-Ireland his name is escaping me now you should know this Matty you're the same uh, Effie Fitzgerald was there as well he's he he's, was in there as well. Gone, yeah. Okay, right. So there's plenty of them. So that's it. So clear nine to four um, to beat Kildare. And I've longed for that evens to beat down and Leitrim at eight to fifteen. The Leitrim rising to continue against um, Limerick. So who wants to go next? I'll go. Yeah. Um, Kerry eight to eleven away to Galway. Um, eight to eleven away yeah. to Galway. See, I, I don't know if that's. Anyways, look, this is your accumulator. Yeah, you do, you, do you know what the, t- the the price of this four team accumulator uh, is? Ah, yeah, it's 71. I'm, go- I'm going conservative. Oh, going <laughs> and there's not one draw in it. Um, you were talking about Sean O'Shea not playing. I was like, I hope he does play because he's in my accumulator here. Yeah. Um, Meath, 8 to 11, away to Cork. Um, okay. Talking about Cork, Claire should send some of those coaches down to Cork if they've got so many to spare. Paddy Cassan. Um, Paddy Cassan. There yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Finally uh, came to me. This is you how conservative it is. Derry in Division Four at home to Wicklow. Ah, come on. <laughs> right, just, one to eight. I think that is one to eight just to get it all up. <laughs> and uh, Longford is my outside one, which isn't really an outside. Which it's is the evens, evens, like, right. uh, at home to Down. I think Park Davis doing a good job there. Okay, seven, seven to one. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I. Uh, I was going to put Kerry in, but then I was a little bit concerned away with a defensive system and with a defensive system that just got over Cavan 16-13. You know what I mean? I was thinking that Galway will be that bit better, although obviously Galway are nowhere near full strength, so I'm not too sure. Um, Still had a very good win away to, to Monaghan in round three, so... Galway did, yeah, yeah they're coming so off good. a good win. Yeah, yeah I, did, I just wanted to stay away. I wanted to stay away from that. I wasn't sure. A draw actually could be a decent result there. Oh, know? here, well, I can put it. I can make it a draw. <laughs> you do no, love it. We're getting close to thirteen. Don't now, put your draw into yeah. your accumulator. It's not right? twenty-three to one. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie, what are you going with? Uh, mine is. I'm going a little bit out, more out there than than, than Conan. I have uh, Tyrone at four to five, um, a home to Monaghan. I'm going with Cork actually, a home to to uh, Mead at about six to four. And then I think the last two are similar to self. I have Longford um, a home at even money eleven to ten, and Leitrim at one to two. And like division division three um, this week is, is very similar. A lot of really close games, and 
um, either result in any of the matches kind of wouldn't really be a surprise and I think it could be a week to where we're going to see I think maybe two or three draws across Division 2 and 3 Well that's an interesting one now well I think uh, Tyrone are a great price of 4-5 to five at home against Monaghan yeah, just because they I usually did, beat them and they have to win yeah, like, the, I mean, and, and I think look at the, the, the couple of weeks break and, and the, the good the good comeback to get the point against Roscommon um, you know will have to be a bit of a boost and they're not, they're not going to want to lose it's a little bit like Dublin and Mayo or Clare and Kerry you know Tyrone won't want to lose a home to Monaghan you know and I just think there has to be something to come from Cork at this stage yeah. and you know maybe the, the change of scenery might be a help as well and look at it's just a bit of value and it's it's little little better than 13 to 1 Well whoever um, whoever loses between Tyrone and Monaghan are in big trouble because Roscommon have started the league so you know at the start of the league you're thinking Cavan, Roscommon everyone we're all safe you know what I mean they're <laughs> going to go back Roscommon have started it really well and if Tyrone lose they're on one point after four games Monaghan are on two after four games so they're right down they're right down there in trouble there's a lot of pressure on that game that's in Oma is it? It is it's yeah. a home game for Tyrone but look Cavan um, Cavan kind of looked to be in trouble if Cavan don't win um, if they don't get a, get the two points again Roscommon on on uh, Sunday they're probably doomed yeah. uh, and then it's it's one from three or four so you know whoever wins that Tyrone uh, and look at again you couldn't really rule out a draw but that the, the result of that Tyrone Monaghan game is huge for either one of them for will the we, will we the league j- Will we just go a tenner on a draw in every game and do that <laughs> yeah. do that one because there will be draws again this, this weekend the, the first time this has come up is you've gone for Mead and you've gone for Cork explain to me um, well, I said I, a Cork or I, I, I do be talking regularly to, to, to uh, Mead fellas and another home game their first home game again Tipperary they were very very lucky to get out of it um, the same the last day you know um, Armagh came back very very strong at them um, in the end and they pulled away with a goal and Armagh were back with a gale force win to a point, point. down with 10 minutes ago yeah. Armagh threw that away yeah realistically and, and um you know, I just they're you know they've had a couple of good results. They've still only got two wins out of three, but I said they're they're, they're four points, but they're only two points off the bottom as well. Um, and you know yeah. there has to be, there has to be something to come from Cork. You know, I said hopefully the change of scenery is going to is going to do the trick for him in, in Parky Ring. I'm not sold on Mead either. Mead need to Mead have let me down in that division too so many times that I just don't I don't trust them yet. So like I mean I would be wary if I was in your position. Like even though look Cork are just like first three games just back against Cork which we've <laughs> yeah. done and it's yeah. the only one we're consistently getting right. That's like that's a lot of my thinking to be honest because I actually had Mead at the start of the predictions and I know it's hard like in the league preview and I had Mead to go down I think along with Cork but now they're motoring really well and like I look at their team and like at some of the highlights that we've seen and like Killian O'Sullivan and Dara Campion are scoring from wing forward and it's like well here's a team now that have you know have a bit about them like and they're doing like you know they know what they're at Brian Menton's still dominating Mikey Newman's taking over everything from set pieces so and then you just you put that with the mess of Cork it's like right well I'm going to put these in for a nice away bit so yeah. eight to eleven, I think, is a good price for it. It's an interesting one. We've all gone for Longford to be down at home, and maybe our thinking is that another. There's so there's different grounds around the country. There's just terrible places to go, and for some reason that pitch in Longford it's poxied, and they know it well. There's a bit of a hill on it, and it's just very windy there. One side is open, and Longford are kind of giant killers when it comes to the, the Ulster teams. They beat down there two years ago in the qualifiers after extra time. They don't seem to worry about playing the Ulster team the Mullen and the Hockta lads will be back depending on if they're getting a break or not Longford might, might have them on the bench anyways and it just seems that to all three of us that that seems like a very obvious one I don't know about very obvious it's just we, we were picking one from each division and if you got through the other games in division in division Stay 3 there's, there's nothing really yeah. jumping out at you just said you know it's very obvious awfully a home to Carlo you know is another one that 
you know, you'd be you'd be trying to avoid um, draw. Very very positive. <laughs> Westmead draw. Then you come around. I think I think it's Westmead have home advantage in that one. I was to me it was a toss up between Westmead and Longford, and without a doubt, Pierce Park is a nightmare of a place to play. It's really tough. It's a real fortress. Once once Longford get a bit of wind in their sail there, the crowd really get in the backs of the opposition and, and really give it give it for Longford. And you know that's I said that's probably that was my thinking behind yeah. the, the selection. The Longford Wexford Park isn't a terrible place to go. Moor Park isn't a terrible place to go. Celtic Park isn't a terrible place to go, although it used to be. I don't know if it's a reflection on the fact that all three teams have slid down the rankings or the actual fact that the pitches are lovely and it's actually a nice stadium. Yeah. <laughs> are these terrible places to go? Newbridge, Pierce Park, um, Ockram, you know what I mean? Pretty much shitholes. <laughs> I don't know about that. They, they, they just have the they just have the what do you call it of being you know, that uh, of being tough place to go. Like I, I was kind of thinking about it, um, you know, about Waterford coming to Exeter Park and I was saying, you know, you'd wish people were saying, "Geez, I'd hate to go to Exeter Park yeah. because you know you have a bit of an incentive straight away." I remember going back to, going to Celtic Park years ago, and we knew it was going to be a tough place to go. To, and we were flying at the time. We got a nice bit of a trimming up there. But during our, my my own time playing with Exeter, we would have had a really good. Um, record in Wexford Park but I don't know if teams were absolutely dreading coming down or anything like that because said generally even during the league the sun was shining down there most of the time the weather we, will re- be nice re- re- <laughs> really really good surface and you know we, we were, probably would have been wishing it had been a little bit more hostile down there but look at us that's the way it was yeah okay right well listen that's all we've time for um, we might review those uh, accumulators next oh, week oh god leave that <laughs> possibly not right we'll be back on Monday and we'll review the weekend's action as usual talk to you then good luck Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f***ing shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.